the hosts of Fang Theory are not experts in any of the subjects discussed, and nothing they say should be taken as advice or expertise. Fang Theory is not affiliated with Summit Entertainment, Little Brown and Company, or anything to do with the Twilight franchise. We are merely fans, here to have some fun and apply vigorous amateur research to the world of our favorite vamps. do our intro and then the chaos will reign okay all right hi welcome to fang theory i'm Paige, and i'm hannah and today we're talking hormones getting sure are getting hormonal (laughs) Uh, you know what i'm on my period so i am actually really hormonal right now (laughs) did you do this on purpose yep (laughs) (laughs) i wanted (laughs) I was gonna say something nasty. Um, is it about the fact that vampires drink blood? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna need your decision at the end of this about whether you want any of that to be just cut or not. I do not mind having that in there. Alrighty, well so before we get into it, a quick disclaimer. We're going to be talking about hormones. Which generally assumes a sex binary. We're going to do our best to use gender neutral language, but the scientific texts that we're reading from don't have gender neutral language. So we may slip up because we're reading. If we do, we're sorry. Please forgive us. Please. So, Hannah, do you want to mean to offend? So, Hannah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Do you want to tell us what the conclusions were from our last episode? Well, last episode, I like that you call it a conclusion because really it was a revelatory experience. A third act twist. (laughs) Yes, a third act twist um, that could lead into a sequel, which this is. Last episode, we talked about emotions and we decided that... In Twilight, Steph Myers kind of descri- subscribes to a James Lang theory type of emotion. However, it's all pretty reliant on the fact that humans have organs and like flight and flight or flight fight or flight instincts, fight or flight instincts, and all of these things vampires do not really have, or maybe they do, but in a different way. Who's to say? Maybe something to be explored explored in the future. But because of all that, we had to diverge? We had to diverge? No. What word am I thinking of? (laughs) I don't know. But because of all that, we had to kind of veer away from talking about James Lang theory. And instead, we're going to try and explore what are vampire motions like? Well, we can think of this as supplementary, like, maybe Jasper can control all the physiological elements of mood, and it just so happens that because vampires don't have beating hearts or take deep breaths, that the things he can manipulate in vampires are more finite than in humans. We do have to address how Jasper could hypothetically uh, alter the moods of vampires, because we know he can, because of... Midnight Sun. Right. Can I read you a quote? No. Oh. Okay, well, what if I did it anyway? Okay. Uh, So let me set the scene. It is the most magnificent scene in the entire series. The baseball scene. Oh, hell yeah! (laughs) Super massive black hole. Super massive black hole. 
But this is actually the worst part of the baseball scene, which is when they stop playing baseball because <laughs> that's between... where the that's that's where the movie and the book end. Yeah, I don't know if you knew that. That's actually the end of Twilight. Yes, as we confirmed, Twilight actually ended as soon as um, Alice had her vision. Mm-hmm. Just before that. Yeah. So James, Laurent, and Victoria have just arrived on the scene. Who? Excuse. <laughs> <laughs> Little known character, Victoria. Hmm? Who? I don't recall these characters. They don't exist in this version of Twilight that we've made. Yes. The part where nothing bad happens ever. <laughs> yeah. Th- Edward and Bella just fall in love. Bella meets a quirky family. That's all. Um, this is actually why I like Midnight Sun at least as much as I like the book Twilight. Because in Midnight Sun, it was never the case that nothing bad happened. Edward was resisting the urge to literally murder Bella and a room full of children for like 50 pages. <laughs> Edward was just big panic all the time. Yes, exactly. And what I one thing in Midnight Sun that I in particular found really revelatory about casting the story from Edward's perspective was realizing what was going on in the baseball scene when James, Laurent, and Victoria arrived. Because it seemed, from Bella's perspective, that everything was going really, really well until it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And we see the wind blows through her hair. But... Right. What I didn't realize before was that the only reason things were going so well for that long was because Jasper was working really overtime on all the vamps in the scene. Yeah. What? So welcome to fair baseball scene where we lay our scene. And let me read it to you. Wait, none of it was genuine, like, happiness? No. Well, not exactly. And this is, this might cause some problems because of the emotion that Edward describes of what Jasper is doing to everyone in the scene. You, you're gonna gasp. Okay. Are you ready I'm to hear scared. it? Be a little scared, but are you ready? Yeah. Alright, so this is from Edward's perspective. This is Midnight Sun. Jasper, lacerated with scars on every visible portion of his skin, tall and lean and fierce as any stalking lion, eyes brutal with remembered kills, should have been the forefront of their assessments, there being James Arn Victoria. His warlike aspect should even now be coloring this negotiation. I glanced at him and found myself so incredibly bored. It seemed as if there could be nothing less interesting in the world than this nondescript vampire standing docilely to one side of our grouping. Nondescript? Docile? Jasper? Jasper was concentrating so hard that, had he been human, his body would have been dripping with sweat. And then he goes on to explain that he's smoothing the tension of the entire discussion between James, Laurent, Victoria, and the Cullens, who we got to remember to the nomads, the Cullens are really weird and potentially dangerous because Mm -hmm. they got different eyes. Right. And in Midnight Sun, Edward actually comments on the fact that the nomads are thinking to themselves that the Cullens have disguised their eyes for some purpose. (gasps) Wait, just like how... The blush on Renegade's <laughs> face is artifice. Artifice. <laughs> artifice. Also, I'm sorry, but the only thing I could think of when you were describing Jasper and his scars <laughs> is battle I scars. You, I think you know. Yep. Battle scars. Um, people are going to get very tired of hearing us do this bit, <laughs> but it's my oh, favorite bit. They can get tired all they want. My favorite part of Twilight. Other than the baseball scene, is Jasper going battle squash? Yeah, I mean, he does literally have them. And actually, in Breaking Dawn, this is a big tangent. This whole thing's a little bit of a tangent, but I, I'll circle it back. In Breaking Dawn, that's the first thing Bella notices about Jasper, is that we see the scars on his arm because they're, like, deeper. The scars on his face, he also has scars all over his face. They're just, I don't know, smaller. Like, only a vampire's eyes would notice them, I guess, which... I can't even get into that right now, but yeah. So <gasps> maybe we should have an episode on vampire vision. Okay, keep going. We we probably should. We can come back to that. Tweet at us if you think that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see. Where was I? So um Edward is smoothing the tension of the whole interaction, but he's also making himself seem uninteresting, even though because he's all covered in these scars, to any regular vampire stranger, he would seem like a big threat. But they're not paying attention to him at all. But he's also covering Alice, Esme, and Bella. 
which is why the fact that a human was present wasn't noticeable until the wind blew. Wait, how was he covering them? He's making he's making everyone feel bored by looking at them. This is what I meant when I said you're going to have a fit. The emotion in question here is boredom. Oh, I am having a fit. <laughs> Tell us The emotion more. I'm feeling is fit. <laughs> <laughs> because is boredom an emotion? I guess. <laughs> also, like, how can you make someone so bored that just all of just the rest of their perception completely vanishes? Well, it's not that they're not seeing Jasper and Esme and Alice and Bella. It's that they're not interested in them. Mm, okay. But inattention is not an emotion. I told you you were going to have a fit. But the reason this quote is important and the reason it stood out to me when I was reading Midnight Sun is because we know Jasper can manipulate the emotions of humans. You know, Bella talks about this pretty much constantly. Right. Here he's manipulating the emotions of, like, six vampires at once. Yeah. So he's definitely able to manipulate the emotions of vampires. And if, Steph- as Stephanie Meyer seems to be suggesting, Jasper's talent is of the body, not the mind, he must be doing something to the bodies of vampires. Right. So it's kind of a long tangent, but then this is where we lay our scene. See, this is this is insane to me. Because what physiological thing could he possibly be doing to cause boredom? Other than maybe like literally like slowing down their all of their functioning so that they could they might per- perceive it as like sleepiness almost. But vampires don't sleep. And that's not what he's saying there. He's saying they're, they're not growing tired by looking at them. They're disinterested. Hmm. Steph, I don't know if I agree with what your def- definition of a, an emotion is. I mean, I don't really know what happens in your brain when you get bored or lose interest. Do you know? <laughs> I don't, I'm not entirely sure what happens in your brain, but there are a lot of things about inattention that humans have. Can't I can't necessarily say for vampires, but inattention is not an emotion. Inattention is just something that we ha- that just happens because brains are not perfect and we can't catch every little yeah. thing all of the time. We try to narrow down the things that we can like perceive the quickest, and that'll help us the most in the shortest amount of time, right? Yeah. So I don't know, but. The reason that this is important is because he's manipulating emotions of, like, a lot of vampires. So we know he's doing something to them. Right. Whether or not boredom is an emotion, like, let's leave that aside for now. But we also know, to bring us back to last week, that when Bella was a vampire, he was picking up on her uh, horniness. So <laughs> we have other emotion examples. This is just the one of the greatest magnitude. Right. So I guess if vampires don't have beating hearts, if they don't have other these physiological other components that we discussed last week, that leaves us with hormones. So you might be wondering to yourself, what is a hormone? Well, courtesy of a hormones class that I took about a year ago, a hormone is an organic chemical messenger released from endocrine cells that travel through the blood system to interact with cells at some distance away and causes a biological response. So... Long story short, hormones are a type of protein that travel in the bloodstream. However, hormones and neurotransmitters often function in the same way, but they are technically different because hormones only exist in the bloodstream and neurotransmitters exist in the brain. Hormones cannot cross the blood-brain barrier. So to define a few things, the blood-brain barrier is a semi-permeable border that prevents Things that are circulating in the blood system to cross into the central nervous system and vice versa. I think I get it. So the the only real difference is that hormones do not exist in the brain and neurotransmitters can't exist ex- anywhere except in the brain. I think a good way of looking at it is that neurotransmitters are the hormones of the brain and vice versa. Okay. Yeah. Hormones are like the neurotransmitters of the body. And there are a couple of, like, minute differences. For instance, um, neurotransmitters 
can shoot messages for a short distance while hormones send messages for longer distances within the body. So there are like a couple of little details about either of them that differentiate the two, but they can do very similar functions. Gotcha. So I don't choose choose your favorite hormone. Can can you walk us through like what a hormone actually does in the body, like from step one? From the top, make it drop. That's somewhat and hormones. Oh my god. You're gonna lead us down the path of is the vampire pussy wet. That is where yes. you're taking us, and I hope you know. Well, <laughs> Is the vampire pussy wet? No, that's a different episode. That we are going to get to that. We're definitely that will happen. Yeah, I can't be. I think we kind of have to. I mean, a non-negotiable. I don't know if anyone else has been curious about this, but I've been thinking about this nonstop. Oh, trust me, I have as well. Okay, we're gonna. It's kind of a life-defining, a life-defining question. Stay tuned, and if you've never wondered that, if you're wondering why we're wondering that, we're gonna get to it. Just not today. Anyways. Anyways. <laughs> hormones. Do I have a favorite hormone? That's a good question. It'd be a little nerdy, I think, if I said yes. Um, I definitely have a favorite hormone. Oh, well, what's your favorite hormone? Favorite... Maybe I could tell you some fun facts about your favorite hormone. Um, th- This is really embarrassing because they said that with so much confidence. And then I forgot what they're called. But the ones that come from the thyroid. So... I would say many of your hormones come from your thyroid. Mine made me look silly. (laughs) (laughs) There were two and they started with thigh, like from thyroid. But I like to say we're agents of chaos. Hmm. I don't think I know what you're talking about. It doesn't matter that much. I got it from a Hank Green video. So just pick a, a hormone. Okay, a hormone. So a a good example of a hormone that is a hormone in the body, but a neurotransmitter in the brain is epinephrine. (gasps) Oh, Um, yeah. We talked about her last week, last time. Yeah, exactly. So epinephrine is a hormone in the body, but it is adrenaline in the brain. So epinephrine in the body, what does that look like? Like, chemically? Let's say that I am about to go skydiving, and I'm standing on the edge of the plane door, you know? Mm -hmm. How was adrenaline released in my body, and what path does it take once it was? Adrenaline will be released through, surprisingly enough, your adrenal glands. (gasps) What? Yes. My twins. Um... And they will flow through the bloodstream to the to your vital organs. And that is what activates, for instance, your fight or flight reflex. So amino acid based hormones require different receptors from lipid based hormones, is my understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what is this from? This is from PBS. While all cells are exposed to hormones circulating in the bloodstream, not all cells react. Only hormones target cells, which have receptors for that hormone, will respond to its signal. When the hormone binds to its receptor, it causes a biological response within the cell. Yes. So, hold on to that thought. We're going to come back to it. Basically... Okay, I'm holding on. It's in my hand. Not all hormones can be accepted by all receptors. Right. And a lot of a lot of things in biology are like that, just in case we need that information for the future. So what does this imply? <laughs> so what does this imply? Um, some Twilight applications. First, it's worth noting, as Hannah expressed in her last episode, the question, do vampires have emotions? Seems to be a resounding yes. <laughs> she already ate. Perfect. Why did you hate me so much when we met? I did. Only for making me want you so badly. I'm a man. Let me 
me walk you through some things that I know about the Twilight universe that I think might be helpful for this discussion. Okay. So there's a clip in Eclipse, which is actually from Jasper. It's an eclipse. A correction. I said here that Jasper says the quote in the clip that I'm about to play, but it's actually Carlisle. They want to know how the newborns differ from us. They're a great deal stronger than us because their own human blood lingers in their tissues. Our kind is never more physically powerful than in our first several months of this life. So this fact tells me a couple of things that I think are useful. Okay. For, for one, as you just explained, hormones travel through the blood. So the first thing we need to determine in order to decide whether or not vampires have hormones, because we know they have the, we, they have moods, they have emotions. What we're trying to establish here is if what Jasper's manipulating when he manipulates the moods and emotions of vampires is hormones. I'm going to make the case that it is because mm. of that quote. Bull take. Yeah, among other things. But this quote tells me that when a vampire is first turned, it is stronger because it's a, like its original human blood is still there. They are thirsty, mm-hmm. but they're strong before they've drunk blood. And we know that vampires can't die from lack of blood, but they do get progressively weaker. Mm-hmm. So this tells me that they have blood in their veins. Like they literally have a right. bloodstream. <laughs> Right. And it's never really clarified either that their that th- their blood is somehow removed at any point during their va- vampire existence, right? Like their original human blood? Well, like, do is... they just keep it for the rest of their lives? No. And this is where the I quote comes in handy. Um, we may circle back to it later, but I'm going to read it now. Uh, Bella is eerily observant in the books, which I don't I guess the movies do give her credit for this because this is the... Hey, did you get contacts? No. Your eyes were black the last time I saw you in the... Like... Golden brown. Yeah, I know. It's the, uh... It's the fluorescence. Um... But in the books, she takes a little further. She tells Edward that she has a theory. And she says... Usually you're in a better mood when your eyes are so light, I commented. He stared at me, stunned. What? You're always crabbier when your eyes are black. I expected then, I went on. I have a theory about that. And then a few pages later, she adds, your eyes, I told you, I had a theory. I've noticed that people, men in particular, are crabbier when they're hungry. So this is never explicitly addressed in the movies. But what she's talking about there is when the vampires eyes are darker in color they're thirstier and the Collins have different colored eyes because they drink the blood of animals but bella wakes up and all newborns wake up with red eyes because they have human blood in their system it's their blood right but over the course of breaking dawn the movie we very very subtly they change her contacts that they get golder and golder oh good so detail yeah, that tells me that the, she had human blood, but mm-hmm. eventually her eyes are gold like the rest of the Cullens. I mean, the fact that any of their eyes are gold says that eventually whatever human blood was in their systems is used up. Is it that it's used up or is it just that the percentage of human blood to animal blood is a lot lower? I think eventually it has to be used up because their eyes stay gold. They never get red again or are red at all. So then I have a follow-up question to that. What's using up the blood? That's a great question. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's like nutrients, but it's one macronutrient, blood. <laughs> you know, you have your fiber, you have your protein, you have the blood. <laughs> okay. So that's my that's my thought on that. Maybe when vampires drink blood... It goes into their stomachs and then nutrients usually are absorbed from the stomach into the bloodstream. Right. But, but instead of that, the blood is just absorbed into the bloodstream. <laughs> the blood is absorbed into the bloodstream. It's a one-to-one conversion. <laughs> so, sorry, this might be a tangent just slightly. Hit me. But does that mean 
that like if they drink too much blood that they just sort of balloon edward describes it as uncomfortable i looked forward to midnight sun and actually a fun fact for you hannah is that midnight sun is way harder to find quotes in the regular twilight books because the regular twilight books have really big font and really big margins uh-huh midnight sun is a physically larger book with way smaller margins and font oh my She's god massive <laughs> Midnight Sun is, I think, the longest Twilight book. And if it's not in page number, it would be if they formatted it the way the other Twilight books are formatted. Because it's already, That's like, crazy. 700 pages. Anyway. How so many of those 700 pages is just Edward panicking? <laughs> All of them! <laughs> <laughs> I have more to say on that later, but we can go back to it. Um, and the only quote I could find is that he wasn't thirsty. But, like, can force more blood into his system. Like, he feels full, basically. But the blood isn't going anywhere. So does it just keep building up and up and up? Maybe it just vibes in his stomach until there's space in his bloodstream. Maybe... Maybe it evaporates. (laughs) Ew. (laughs) That's really disgusting. That seems like something that would be in what we do in the shadows. (laughs) Maybe they're very... Maybe they're very porous. Hannah, don't say that to me. Don't look me in the eyes and say maybe they're very porous. (laughs) Maybe they're really porous and the blood is just evaporating away. You've heard the theory that vampires are like rocks, but have you heard vampires are sponges? (laughs) Well, there's some very porous rocks. Like pumice. even worse. That's worse. Maybe they're made out of pumice. (laughs) (laughs) You can use them to exfoliate your feet. (laughs) So anyway. So so no on the pumice idea? (laughs) So I'm going to make the case that because vampires' eye colors change based on the presence or absence of blood, that the blood has to be getting from their stomachs into their body somehow, which means that there's a vehicle for hormones to get around. Right. So I think the best way to illustrate this is thirst. I'm going to make the case that vampires have the same hormone for thirst that humans do. Like the exact same same? I think it's the exact same hormone. And so according to the study I found, which we will link in the description, all links are always in the description. The most potent hormonal stimulus for thirst is angiotensin 2 or ang2. Angie. Which is angie as the cool kids call it Mm -hmm. which is released from the kidney but other hormonal stimuli for thirst are secreted by the stomach which is what i think happens with vampires oh yes and so i we know vampires can become like ravenously thirsty like part of the problem when edward met bella for the first time in that famous um biology class scene you'll notice in the movie his eyes are dark yeah. And that's why when he comes back to class, she says, did you get contacts? It's the, uh, it's the fluorescence. Um. So the problem is, when he meets her, she's both much more appealing to him than the average human. And he's also real thirsty, mm-hmm. which made his self-control way less. So I think vampires know that they need to drink more blood when Ange 2 is, you know, secreted from their stomachs, just like it is for any other person. Mm-hmm. I really like this visual that stomach, like that vampires have working stomachs, but nothing else. I mean, we don't know that they have nothing else, but we can like do a process of elimination. So far we've established vampire probably has brain, except maybe Emmett. (laughs) (laughs) No, Emmett Emmett has has the biggest brain. The biggest, heaviest brain. Oh, I thought this was hilarious. Extracellular dehydration is manifested by a decrease in blood volume, which is what I think is happening to vampires. I think they're literally just having less blood, so they need to, to get more. Oh, okay. So you think you, you think it's just extra extracellular depletion? Basically, yeah. But instead of being like, oh, you need to drink more water and you need something with salt in it so that we can make more blood, vampires can't make more blood. Well, I have so a question. they just have to ingest it. Yeah. But the thing is, is the reason why we experience extracellular de- depletion when it comes to, like, water, for instance, is because we do things like sweat and, like, we have other functions going on in the body that require water 
So then the concentration levels between the blood and the cell change so that it's more or less concentration. Okay, but consider it this way. What if, okay, again, treating the very scientific hypothesis that blood is a macronutrient. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm not saying that it's one-to-one cellular dehydration, but, or extracellular dehydration. But is it possible that it's kind of functioning the same way when, you know, they expend energy? Mm-hmm. They need, we know blood makes them stronger. And so when they expend energy, they use up blood ener- blood ATP. <laughs> hmm. And they become dehydrated because there is less of the nutrient of blood in their system. And they need to get more. Hmm. I'm not saying it's perfect. But is it workable? It might be workable. It would just be a lot more workable if Steph decided that vampires could, in fact, poop. I was going to say, the fact that vampires do not excrete is really making this a bit of a like bend over backwards to explain this. Which I'm not sure if that would be better or worse if we had canonically in the Twilight universe that vampires do poop. Or the fact that we have canonically in the Twilight universe that they don't. <laughs> so, if you can at least buy the working hypothesis of blood macronutrient and vampires have a thirst hormone. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm sorry. But here's the other issue we run into a little bit with oh, that. no. Is that okay. when we have things like ATP and sugar and whatnot, yes, we do use a lot of it up. But we also recycle a lot of it. Well, I mean, I guess that is true for vampires, too, because they can't die from not having blood. Oh, that's true. Okay, then yeah, I will accept this theory for now. Okay, stay tuned. We may revise later, but this is our working theory. So if that's the case, then vampires have hormones for basic functions. It stands reason they also have hormones for mood. I think I like that. (laughs) So vampires have this thirst hormone. We know they don't get hungry. Mm -hmm, Yeah. So what I'm proposing is that as part of the the transformation process to become a vampire, venom seals some of the receptors. I told you it was coming back. Oh. That we mentioned earlier, so that they still have some of the hormones that they no longer need, but they can't be absorbed by their cells. Mm-hmm. So they no longer get the sensations of being hungry. Right. Or any other hormones that vampires don't need, but humans do. Yeah. And, you know, that, that tracks because... We already do like naturally have things like agonists and antagonists within the body. And that's and that's like what drugs do when you take something, for instance, like ibuprofen. So, yes, I can't explain. Okay, thank you. <laughs> um, so, like you said, that we have specific receptors on the cell, right? And from what it sounds like, venom would act as an agonist. And what agonists do is they mimic the receptors of a cell and they block and they attach oh. to the cell and block everything else, which is why, for instance, when you take ibuprofen, it's mimicking, um, it's mimicking the like little little arms that pain receptors have and attaching oh. itself so that you can no longer feel pain as it's like rushing through you. I guess that's not <sighs> the best description, but but yes, we do have a thing called agonists, and they do. Isn't caffeine one of those? Caffeine. I watched a Vox video once about why you should take coffee naps, which is where you drink like coffee really fast and then you take a nap for 20 minutes. Because apparently, this is not hormones, this is neurotransmitters, but apparently the shape of caffeine is the same as the shape of like what builds up in your mind when you're tired, like mm-hmm. literally in your brain. Mm-hmm. And so if you take a nap and then for 20 minutes, that's how long it takes caffeine to hit. Mm-hmm. And so it clears out all your tired neurotransmitters that's the technical term yep definitely but then caffeine fills that same shape Mm -hmm. and so you can't build up more tired neurotransmitters for a time it's yes it's like that because it's blocking the receptor right it is mimicking the receptor or it's mimicking the the chemicals that would attach to the receptor and because it's blocking that receptor, the actual naturally occurring chemicals in our brain or body that would attach to that receptor won't be able to. And therefore, we, won't, we wouldn't feel, for instance, like something like tiredness because those chemicals wouldn't be able to attach to the receptor. It's also why something like SSRIs work because it blocks 
it's not the necessarily the exact same, but it blocks the um, the neurons from doing from serotonin reuptake, meaning that there would be more serotonin like free flowing within between near our neurons, right? And so, yeah, very similar in concept where we have these like drugs, and they act as like agonists or antagonists. And venom, it does seem venom yeah. can do that. So venom is the caffeine of the vampire. Oh, so I can't say that venom that vampires are porous, but you can say that. <laughs> well, mine isn't disturbing. <laughs> That's the difference. <laughs> <laughs> so we're make, we're saying that venom blocks the receptors for hormones, or you know, in in that it takes the shape of hormones that vampires don't need anymore. That's why vampires don't feel hungry. It's not that they don't need it, but it's like. They literally can't feel certain things anymore because venom is so prevalent within their body and act, is acting as these block these blocking agents. Okay, so that is our basic theory of how hormones work in vampires. Mm-hmm. But that shall return to what I at least have been waiting to talk about. Oh sure, what I always think of when you put hormones and vampires in the same sentence. Hmm. You know. <laughs> hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. For those of you, for those of you who are not sure what she just did, she did a very graphic hand movement. You know, hormones of love. Uh-huh, sure, <laughs> love. I don't think we should conflate the two. Well, we're actually going to talk about three distinct categories here. Do you want to walk us through them? Okay. So the three categories would be lust, attraction, and attachment. So the reason that this is important is because the hormones associated with love, some of them are like, you know, mother-daughter, and then some of them are Rosalie saying, my monkey man, and it's important to differentiate those two. No, they're all the same. Definitely the same. I definitely- Oedipus? (laughs) Maybe consider Oedipus? (laughs) I gotta go. So, lust we're defining as seeks sexual union with appropriate member of the species. Ooh, clinical. Yes. Oh. Attraction is... Oh, I got this from a study that I will link in the description. Attraction is select partners and focuses attention on genetically appropriate individuals, saving mating time and energy. So... You can feel lust without attraction, effectively. Mm-hmm. And attachment is what we were talking about with, you know, love can be mother-child, but it can also be, you know, Rosalie. <laughs> and Emmett. <laughs> Rosalie and Emmett were so bad, it took a solid decade before we could stand to be within five miles of them. So attachment is sustaining connections long enough to complete parental duties you know so that is love in the romantic sense that's the very clinical definition of it but that same or those same hormones are at play when you have you know a a parent-child relationship really close friends this is also when i would say maybe like this is where the same hormones that exist could be in you know romantic relationships that are not sexual Mm mm-hmm well, the thing is, is that these different hormones, yes, they can serve very similar purposes, right? Or, I'm sorry, these hormones can serve um, the same purpose, but in different contexts. So while, yes, you could feel like love in the sense of like a parental sense, or love as a romantic sense, the thing is, is while you have that hormone, it's up to your brain a lot of the time to differentiate those those things. What was that quote where it was like, men feel oxytocin when orgasming, women feel it when having labor? <laughs> well, the thing is, is that it's not necessarily something that you feel. Oxytocin exists in people with penises when orgasming. Oxytocin also exists in people who have uteruses or experiencing child labor. <laughs> yeah, but you should also think oxytocin exists when you're, like, eating. That makes sense to me. It's a tender experience. 
it's a lot of things. Oxytocin is part of the reward system. That's why. We might be jumping the gun a little. What are the hormones that are associated with lust, attraction, and attachment? Well, oxytocin would be one of them. Dopamine, serotonin, uh, testosterone. But they're not all for all of them, right? Like I have here. Right. Which we can we can interrogate this a little bit, but I have here lust is testosterone and estrogen attraction. You also can have epinephrine because you get excited, you have arousal. I'm also scared of lust. (laughs) (laughs) I also enter flight or flight when flirting. I mean, yeah, a lot of people feel panic in those situations, but then also it's like how you can both or for a lot of people, they do feel like panic when it comes to like sexual, uh, sexual. Edward. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> sexual experiences, right? So, so yeah, those those are all things that it can exist while experiencing th- these things. So, lust is testosterone and estrogen. Attraction is dopamine and no repinephrine. And attachment I is oxytocin and vasopressin and i did write on the document oxycontin <laughs> like <laughs> like the drug <laughs> that makes sense to me anyway so obviously it's not as cut and dry as like you feel lust exclusively when you feel estrogen testosterone are both in your bloodstream there's way more play than that but those are the hormones yeah. associated with those emotions among other things so I guess what's Jasper doing? Or let's, let's, I mean, we can even take it where Bella is being lusty and Jasper is noticing and trying to calm her down before Charlie arrives. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, here's kind of a kooky little theory to throw Maybe. out. Maybe what Jasper is doing is not necessarily increasing the levels of hormones or anything like that within a, a vampire's body. What if he's actually literally manipulating what the venom inside their body is okay, doing? Okay, go on. Like, what if he is making it so that the venom is attaching to more receptors of different functions? <gasps> so rather than saying, like, he is calming them down, maybe he is manipulating the venom to block the, like, adrenaline receptors for instance what (laughs) i'm very intrigued by this theory i think you might be onto something so when he feels that bella is mad horny (laughs) he's blocking to calm her down what if he's trying rather than saying no instead of horny i'm going to increase this other emotion of yours right what if he is literally blocking the things within her body that could potentially give her like the horny emotion. Are you telling me that Jasper has added a fifth element to Avatar the Last Airbender, which is to say Venom? I mean, is that so hard to believe? No, this makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> oh, this changes everything. So Jasper, he is, he is an SSRI, but for the body. Oh my gosh, Hannah. I gotta go. <laughs> so, the conclusion to the question we posed in our last episode, if Jasper is controlling the body, but he's able to manipulate the emotions of vampires, what the heck is he doing? It seems to be he is manipulating Venom so that it fits the receptors of hormones that he doesn't want vampires to feel the associated emotions of. I mean... That's kind of what I'm getting at. But I think that tracks. I mean, you tell me. <laughs> no, that makes perfect sense to me because we we came into this under the assumption that vampires have hormones for the reasons we just laid out painstakingly. The question is just like, what is Jasper doing to them? Right. And I just don't see because a large part of my debate, my internal debate about this the hormonal existence within vampires is I just could not see an origin point. Because if he were to be flu- if he were to be manipulating the way hormones fluctuate in the body, there would be ha- there would have to be a source of origin for these hormones, which yes could potentially be like 
the blood that is absorbed however they're not like intaking blood all of the time yeah and there's a finite amount of hormones for each time that they do take in blood right and so it would be really difficult to imagine jasper just spontaneously creating hormones within their body anytime he wants to manipulate their emotions yeah so rather than doing that maybe he's just blocking receptors the way that like an ssri would block like a neuronal receptor receptor Mm -hmm. so that more of a certain hormone that he wants in the blood would be would be circulating because they're not attaching themselves to to cells that makes sense to me does that make sense so, I mean, it's worth pointing out here that hormones are not that simple. Like, we'll link a study in the description to a whole thing about how oxytocin, a lot of the studies about oxytocin and trust, which is the big thing with attachment, right? That's why p- people who breastfeed feel oxytocin the same time people in, you know, developing relationships with a romantic partner feel oxytocin. Those are both bonding experiences and, you know, forming attachments. We'll link a study where it's like, uh, actually, maybe it's really hard to study oxytocin and we have no idea how big of a role it is playing in trust, actually. As with all things with emotions, there's just a lot of other factors. Yeah, and I think it's important to note that, like, while there's hormones, a lot of the time, every everything that we feel really is a combination of, like, our hormones and our brain and our nervous system and all of these systems coming together right and so while we didn't talk about it here we did speak on it a little bit in the last episode where we were saying like how the amygdala is associated with fear Mm -hmm. um well you know a lot of the reward system is what is associated with oxytocin and dopamine um which is why we like like hanging out with people that we like you know, why would we be willing to do that if it weren't for the fact that we have a reward system? Literally saying, good job on doing that. <laughs> so it, it is important to note that it, it's a combination of what's happening in our body and in our brain. Wow. It's so, maybe we shouldn't isolate things. Why do I hang out with Hannah? It's like a reward. <laughs> it's like a reward. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a reward. Oh, I mean, to bring us back to the, they're all connected. When we were talking about the feeling of taking a deep breath as being something calming that Jasper could do to a, a person who breathes, that is the um, neutral term for human vampire defunct. A person who breathes? <laughs> what, is human too political? Human is too political. Actually, the problem is that vampires feel that vampires are too politically charged now, so they prefer to be referred to as a person who doesn't breathe. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Anyway, so... (laughs) The feeling of taking a deep breath, if my memory serves, is the... ANS? It's the nervous system, right? It is a nervous system... So thing, we've been yes. we've been connecting with them all, all along, not in great detail, but they've been there. It's up to you, the listener, to <laughs> piece it all together. <laughs> we had we walked so that you could run, so that you could tell us about the nervous system. As if you could catch me. <laughs> As if you could fight me off. <laughs> Our vampire's carbon sinks. smoke and just keep it you know what if that's the case they're doing us a great favor vampires can't produce oxygen so are they just taking in carbon dioxide just holding it well they're not inhaling right well i guess no because you exhale carbon dioxide they're stealing our oxygen no they're not inhaling at all no they do because they can smell this is what this is what edward said he said um maybe maybe breathing should be our next episode Maybe breathing should be our next episode. That and to think we got there because of my stupid joke. <laughs> <laughs> but he says when um, Bella's like, "You don't have to breathe." He's like, "Well, after a while, it becomes uncomfortable to be without a sense of smell." So they're taking things in. I think they're hoarding all the oxygen. <laughs> How dare they? Wait, we need that. So they're not carbon. They're not carbon sinks. They're whatever the opposite of that is. <laughs> oh my god. <gasps> If you burn a vampire, what gas is released? Because if you burn trees, it's carbon. Question. 
and well we haven't really decided yet if vampires are organic materials oh god okay we can't get into that we're not ready yeah but can we talk i learned that all because of my environmental book can we talk about the overlap that's happening right now (laughs) (laughs) okay we're gonna have to cut all this in post but we need a a conclusion okay what's our (laughs) so to wrap it up Last week, we either planned or uncovered, however you want to look at it, the problem that a lot of the physiological things that can be used to manipulate emotions are things vampires don't do, such as have beating hearts and breathe. Vampires are apolitically people who, beings who don't breathe. Mm-hmm. So, we've with now. With that said. With that said, we've established an alternate physiological aspect that Jasper can be manipulating, which is to say, He's using venom to fill the receptors of hormones associated with emotions that he doesn't want his uh, target to feel. What do you think? I like that. I'm glad because it was your idea. Which is why I like it. No. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think it was a good idea, but did I do it justice? I think you did. I think you summed it up perfectly. All right, well... It appears next week we're tackling breathing. So if you've ever wondered, do vampires breathe? And it's going to get political next episode. (laughs) (laughs) I raise the really political question. Are vampires carbon sinks to be uncovered next week? In the meantime, this has been Fang Theory. I'm Paige. And I'm Hannah. And we'll see you in two weeks. Goodbye. Absolutely not. We are releasing this. If it oh. brings shame onto my family, then that is a that is the price we're paying. I cannot record <laughs> this episode again. She w- Stephanie really said I need to put all of these words. She said I have so many thoughts. You shouldn't be <laughs> friends with your co-hosts. <laughs> yeah, you should be you should be enemies with your co-hosts and then you can have an enemies to lovers arc like enemies you and Jack. Pod- oh my god. <laughs> enemies to podcast hosts arc. <laughs> it's very much a JK Rowling like why was this a detail that was included? We didn't need to know that wizards poop on floors before toilets kind of a thing. The idea that you need to be a little bit panicked in order to form attachment is textbook Midnight Sun. That is literally Edward 2AT. <laughs> we breathe so you don't have to. <laughs> every time I every time I hang out with Paige, I get a golden onion. In the meantime. Stay tuned. Thank you for listening to Fan Theory. I'm Paige. Fan Theory? Oh no! I gotta go.